Welcome to Nutrition Factors, the podcast about the link between nutrition and your health. We talk to leaders in the field of nutrition and look into the science behind how nutrients affect your health. Welcome back to the Nutrition Factors podcast. And today I have Elizabeth Clodis with me. Are you a doctor, Elizabeth? Should I be saying doctor, Elizabeth Clodis? <laughs> I'm, I'm a cardiologist, but you can just call me Liz, it's fine. <laughs> okay, Liz, thank you so much. This podcast is about the link between nutrition and health. So I know that you've had a lot of interest in that, and I would really like to find out more about what, as also particularly as a medical doctor, what interested you, because I know that generally speaking, most people, while you're training through your medical training, there isn't a big emphasis on nutrition. No, there, I mean, in fact, when I was training, there was zero emphasis on nutrition. I mean, I look back and, you know, the 14 years it took from, you know, finishing high school to hanging up my shingle as a cardiologist, there was literally zero hours spent on nutrition training, which is, which is shocking. Um, given the fact that, you know, what we eat affects every single cell in our body. You know, now it's a little, a little bit better. And I, and I, I'm using air quotes and, and the, you know, in, in medical school, the requirement now is 25 hours of nutrition education, which is, which is, you know, frankly, pitiful and, and pathetic. Got it, got me interested was realizing that despite following all the guidelines, writing prescriptions, putting people on medications, making all their numbers perfect. I was not curing anybody. Um, and everybody looked great on paper, but in person, all of my patients, you know, still looked sick and they felt awful. And in fact, many of them were telling me that all the drugs I had put them on had made them feel worse. Wow. And it was only when I started to ask about diet that it became instantly obvious that, you know, there was literally no amount of drugs I could pe put people on to make up for what they were eating. And if you step back, you know, ultimately cardiology and, and cardiac disease, especially atherosclerosis or buildup of plaque in, in arteries, you know, that, that is a disorder that is driven by diet, right? Because high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, high blood sugar, obesity, poor diet, which are five of the, you know, five of the seven modifiable risk factors for heart disease, the other two being smoking and, and inactivity, five are related to food. Right. And and what's what's astonishing is that instead of changing the food, right, we put people on a bunch of pills. I mean, it's it's no wonder we never actually cure anybody. We're just putting band-aids over over top of a, you know, of a, of a problem, the root cause of which we've not addressed. That's amazing. It's, it's amazing to not amazing to me that, you know, that is more amazing to me that generally speaking, doctors don't figure that out. Because it, it uh, seems, it's kind of seems like a... <laughs> sort of a no-brainer, right? Like yeah, it, it, yeah. it is, it is obvious. I, I think, you know, there's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things that, you know, go into that. I mean, number one, we're not trained 
to, mm-hmm. to recognize it. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I happen to be a foodie. I come, you know, I, I've always been interested in, 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 you know, not diet necessarily, but just eating good food and, you know, and kind of then listening to my patients eating and go like, oh my gosh, right? Like you, you can recognize, you know, the, the, the difference between about between what you consume and other people consume. So I, I had some, some personal experiences, but you know, the other thing is it takes time to, to delve into, into people's diets and, and, you know, medical visits are incredibly short. They're very, you know, symptom focused, you know, oh, chest pain, get a stress test. Oh, high cholesterol. Here's a pill, high blood pressure. Here's two pills, right? It's like, you know, let's go, go, go. So, so it's a time issue. It's, it's a, it's an, it's a knowledge issue. And it's also the incentives are all wrong. Like, you know, the, the, we get paid according to complexity of visit, right? So if someone comes in with high cholesterol and I put them on a pill, you know, that counts as a complex visit because I prescribed a medication. If Mm -hmm. I instead prescribe broccoli, it doesn't seem very complex to, you know, to someone who's coding the visit. Well, you can just solve it with broccoli. Like that's not a very complex problem at all. Well, it's the same problem. And I would say the broccoli is a better solution than the pill, but, but it's just, it's just not part of, it's just not part of the system and the system's broken. Yeah, exactly. So you started a a whole new business now coming out of these ideas that you had and kind of epiphanies that you had treating people. So Tell me about that. Yeah, so you know when I when I first got got into this whole area, I did what I was, you know, also, you know, have seen done and encouraged to do, which is like send patients to to nutritionists and dietitians, counsel about diet, give out pamphlets, cookbooks, etc. And and what I found was twofold. Number one, the people who followed the advice had amazing results, right? Like medication lists shrank, diagnoses melted away, like literally patients were becoming non-patients. The problem was I could count those successes on one hand because it's hard, right? Most people aren't, you know, excited about cooking with kale, right? They, you know, people want things to be convenient and, and straightforward and to fit in with their lives, which are busy, and so, you know, so I found a lot of people failed at, at kind of that basic thing. And, and so it, my, my learning from that was the solution is correct, you know, change the food. It's just that the tools that we have are, are wrong. And so I kind of, you know, started getting very interested in this concept of food as medicine, which we have all heard about and intrinsically understand, but to actually apply it is, is, is not that straightforward. And so my, my goal was to create a, <laughs> a line, sorry, to create a line of foods that, that would be as easy to implement and as easy to, you know, um, you know, make actionable as taking a pill, right? So my solution is instead of take this pill twice a day, it's eat this food twice a day instead of something you're eating already. And the foods are formulated specifically to support cardiovascular health, health and lower cholesterol. And, it, and the amazing thing is, you know, we know what to eat 
to do that. It's not like the studies are missing. We know that chia and flax and oat bran and walnuts and almonds are good for us. We just don't eat them. We also know they all lower cholesterol. We just don't don't do it in in a in a way in in, in, in you know in adequate amounts and in the right combinations to achieve that. But you can actually formulate foods that that do follow the science. And then, you know, with that just tiny substitution, you can actually see amazing results. So we, you know, I do believe step one foods is the true first food as medicine company, because we've not only formula, it's food, it's not a chemical, you know, combinations of stuff masquerading as food, it's true foods made with real whole ingredients that are formulated, uh, uh, you know, according to, to, the knowledge we have around the science of food. And then we've, we've done what no one else, no other food company has done and, and tested our products in a randomized control clin clinical trial, right? Like the highest level of scientific scrutiny that typically is reserved for medications. And, and what we found that after 30 days of just this simple substitution with like literally asking people to do nothing else, in fact, requiring them to do nothing else, we saw on average 10% LDL or bad cholesterol reductions. And from a, from a public health perspective, that's an astonishing result. If we reduce the average LDL of the American population by 10%, we would finally dethrone heart disease as the number one killer of Americans. It's that big an effect. But what's even more striking is that there were people within that trial who had, you know, 15, 20, 30, close to 40% LDL reductions, you know, 30, 40% LDL reduction. That's a statin. That's a medication level effect. I mean, most people would go like, whoa, that drug worked great. Except right. we did it with food. We did it with food. So, so we truly, you know, are the proof point that, that food can be as powerful as, as medicine. That's wonderful. I was reading some stats the other day from the Nutrinet Sante nutrition study. I don't know if you've seen or you know about it at all. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure which, which study you were referring it's to. It's called Nutrinet Sante. Okay. Anyway, they've been doing it for quite a long time and they've been collecting data from, from I think, like 17,000 people over a period of time. And from the other point of view, they're just looking mm. at it from the effect of the bad food. Mm. Um, and they made a statement that they said one of their key findings was that even a 10% increase in highly processed foods will create a significantly much more than even that 10% likelihood that you're going to get all these kind of metabolic syndrome, obesity, mm -hmm. cardiovascular, high blood pressure, high triglycerides, etc. You know, it just seems to me that the stats, particularly in America, where almost half of the population over 55 do have these indicators they suffer from one or more of these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That this, it, it seems so crazy to me. As you say, we know that we shouldn't be eating these things, but yet we do. Yeah, it's so. I'm 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 not familiar with the specifics of the study, although I'm I'm not surprised by by the result. You know, if you look at if you look at heart disease, you know, we know 
that 80% of it need not exist. Like that's, that's not a wish. That's a fact because there are communities around the globe where people, you know, where, where heart disease is almost unheard of. And by the way, they also experience 75% less cancer and two thirds less dementia. And those are the the blue zones. Right. And, and, and the biggest difference between them and us, it's, is what it's what they eat. They eat a very different diet. It's it's simple. It's unprocessed. It's whole food and plant based. You know, it's way over on the vegan vegetarian end of the spectrum. Although they're not all vegans or or strict vegetarians, but it's but it is plant based and 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 very unprocessed. Now, one other thing that I have observed for myself is that as much as the doctors are not taught any nutrition, it seems to me that the general public lacks knowledge too about nutrition. Do you think that's correct? Well, I think, you know, I think the the general public is at a huge disadvantage because we, you know, every week there's a new, you know, new diet, something, eat eggs, don't eat eggs, right? Grapefruit is awful. Grapefruit is, you know, you should have three grapefruit a day. I mean, it, it is, it's very, it's very confusing. And, and I think part of that is driven by a media, right. That, that wants people to click and be interested in, in their stories. And, you know, saying every week that broccoli is, is good for you or kale is a good thing, or you should eat more chia, you know, like that, that gets boring. Right. So if someone comes out and says like, Oh my God, keto is the, is the answer to everything. And you know, the next day, Oh no, eat high carb and you know, no high fat, no high protein. Again, it is, you know, what, what's amazing to me is that human experience tells us what to do. And again, it goes back to those blue zones where, where, where we have the model for what it, you know, what it requires to, to reach, you know, to achieve healthy longevity, you know, do what those people do. They are genetically distinct. They live, you know, they're culturally distinct. They live in very different places, right? They're, um, you know, they're, uh, and, and, and yet, despite all those differences, um, they all have achieved healthy longevity. So I'm doing what they're doing. I, I don't know about anybody else, but that but that's my plan. <laughs> that also is another aspect for me that when I hear people talking about diet and nutrition and food and wanting to lose weight is always a big one. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that they're doing it from um the appearance side mm-hmm. or, and they're not looking at that, that connection between the nutrition and their health. That, I had that, somebody that is... the other day say to me, oh, I've just decided I'm going to be fat and happy. That's it. And <laughs> I thought, well, you're not going to be fat and happy in a minute because you're heading for a health a disaster. disaster. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. So, you know, our external appearance is obviously a motivator. Everybody wants to look good. They, you know, they want their clothes to fit well. They, they want to look good at the beach or, you know, or what have you. But, but you are correct. The eating for health is, is actually the, 
the way to succeed because eating to lose weight is by and large ultimately unsustainable because you're eating in a way that is so different from what you normally do that you just can't you just can't stick with it and it's and it's often not realistic you know or you're subscribing to like you know months of of you know delivered food that you know owns your stomach from morning to night i mean it's just it's just not it's it's just not you know, sustainable. Um, but if you eat for health, if, you know, everything else follows like that, you know, that's the amazing thing. It's not that your weight also goes down, but your cholesterol gets better. Your blood pressure falls, your blood sugar control improves. You, you feel better. You're less achy. Like there's, there's so many things that happen when you eat for health. Um, and, and ultimately what makes that sustainable is you feel better. Like right. that, it, right? And it, and and then th- then the the way you look also just follows over time. But it's not it's not as instant, right? Like you, you don't lose thirty pounds in in you know a in month. A month. Yeah. <laughs> it ta- yeah. it takes longer, but but it's but it is more sustainable and it's better for you. I, I wondered if that might be a better motivator for people. The the health or the weight? The health, yes. both. If, yeah. No, if you say. <laughs> Look, never mind what you look like or or the fact, yes, you can be fat and happy, nobody cares. What we do care about is that you need to be healthy and live a long and active and healthy life. And you don't end up having all these horrible diseases by the time you're 65 or 70. Yeah. That maybe that might be something that would then because it takes it off, as you say, it's not sustainable to try and do it and say, well, I've got to lose 30 pounds. But yeah. at least if you know that I'm doing this for a long-term gain of health, maybe yeah. it might make it easier for people to do it. Yeah. One of the one of the common questions that I ask my patients, especially when I see them for, for the very first time, is I ask them, you know, what is your goal for your health? And what I would tell you is it almost always comes back to healthy longevity, right? They want to be around to see their grandkids grow up or they, you know, or, you know, they, they want to make sure their kids do well, or they, they have these plans for retirement. You know, they, they, they want to be active and feel well for, for as long as, as, as possible. And then, you know, when, when you have that framework as your starting point, it, it, it makes it much more impactful to talk about, you know, the nutrition changes you can make to help achieve that because it's a different motivation, right? It's, it's, it's not what, what am I going to feel like today or tomorrow? It's like, okay, it's, you know, this is, this is for, for, for the long haul. And, and again, it becomes sustainable because people feel better as they're, as they're making these, these, these changes. And sometimes, you know, it's even a bit of tough love. Like, you know, I'll, I'll you know, we'll, we'll look at a patient's weight and, and they'll say, okay, like I want to weigh this and we'll say, well, okay. You know, so and we go to, I'll t- go through their dietary history. And then, you know, the conclusion is, well, okay, what you're doing isn't working. Right. So, you know, we have to find something that works better. And, and, and I think we also have to take away this, this idea that you have to be perfect, that Mm -hmm. it's, it's an all or nothing thing, right. That, that if, unless you become like this, you know, 
<laughs> I often say that, like, say this little moniker, you know, yoga practicing vegan triathlete, right? Like, it's just this extreme, you know, way way of living that unless you achieve that, it's like, it's pointless, you might as well keep eating the brownies. It's like, no, that like, that's not it. It's the tiny changes in in nutrition that if you sustain them can yield giant effects over time. I mean, we proved that at step one foods, right? It was just like two snacks a day is like, that was it. It wasn't, you know, we didn't own your stomach from morning to night. We didn't ask you to, you know, start exercising or anything like that. Like we just asked you to change out like two things you were eating for essentially equivalent things that was just, that were just more, much more nutritionally dense. And we lowered people's cholesterol a substantial amount. Like that's the power of food. And, and we, don't leverage that enough in care for sure. Right. So when they're eating these snacks, it doesn't matter what other things they're eating? Well, you know, the, the way we did the trial was like that. If people ate hamburgers and, you know, for, for lunch typically, and they had a, you know, a steak at dinner, we did not ask them to change that. We asked them to change if they, you know, if they had a Snickers bar in the afternoon, okay, change this to this bar. Um, and if you had, you know, cereal in the morning, change it to this oatmeal or these pancakes, like whatever, whatever it was that appealed to you, like literally just change out two things. And it, and, and that, that's, that that was the huge finding. It was oh, it, we didn't wow. turn people's life upside down. We just asked them to change out two things a day. That is really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very fascinating. And I'm really, I'm, really glad that you're doing that because that just gives us hope for creating the changing the healthcare paradigm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I have to say, I'm very proud of step one foods. It is, you know, it is the thing that, that makes me, you know, excited about getting up every morning and, and, and making a difference. And, you know, and, and we're, we're just, you know, solving one thing and, you know, we happen to be first and, and I think we're doing a great job, but, you know, there's so much more that can be done. I mean, this is, you know, we've got food here on one end, we've got pharmaceuticals on the other thing, and there's nothing in between. And, and that space is begging to be filled. There are so many conditions that could benefit um, from, you know, targeted appropriate nutrition support. So, so I hope we are motivation for others. Just one last question I wanted to get your sort of your take on. We have found that, as I said earlier, there's been a lack of knowledge even in the public and a lack of commitment or no, it's not even commitment. It's just they don't seem to be able to do it on their own. If you tell them this is what you should eat, not as easy as yours, but mm -hmm. like here's a, a whole foods diet and this is what you should be eating. They just don't somehow be, seem to be able to, many people don't seem to be able to do that. And now I see a big growth in nutrition coaching. Do you think that it's helpful for people to have somebody who really can educate them and help them to stay on the path for long-term healthy longevity? Yeah, so... Um education, you know, knowledge is power. So, so I'm all about education. I also think people 
benefit from, you know, from not just a coach, but a cheerleader, like someone to give them the big high five when, when they've, you know, when they've succeeded at something, you know, often dietary change is something you do on your own. It's mm-hmm. not like everyone, you know, around you is doing this. You're, you're literally like the lone soldier, you know, getting up every morning, right? Make a commitment to your health and to not eat this, but, but eat that. So, so I think, I think there's a lot of benefit from that. But I also think, you know, it, like I said, I had people, you know, I had a handful of people that succeeded and like had just these tremendous tremendous, you know, health effects by, by changing what they ate. But I think we also have to have to recognize that we have to meet people where they are along the spectrum. And some people do great with coaching alone. Some people need, you know, some sort of ready meal or, you know, ready ingredient, you know, delivery. So it takes, takes some of that out of their, you know, out of the question mark area or, or hassle factor. And then, and then, you know, you you also have people who like just really benefit from it just being done. And like, I don't have to think about this. It's, it's been, you know, it's been created for me and for my condition and I can just do this and it's simple and it, and it's easy. And frankly, it can all, all exist together, right? Like you can be, you know, you can be self-motivated and do it, but you know, from time to time, it's nice to get like one, just, just curate the ingredients for me. And other times I'm busy and I just want something that I can count on to be health promoting. And, and, and I know, I know it's the real deal. Cause there, cause there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of products in the marketplace that make a lot of claims, but those claims are more marketing gimmicks than they are true guarantees of health. And certainly I don't know of any that have been rigorously tested. That is correct. You know, there's, there's a lot of things, a lot of packages with hearts on them in, in the grocery <laughs> store. And, and, you know, look, I, you know, if they worked, I wouldn't have started a food company. I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have needed to. And, and yet I, I looked at what was on the shelves and it was clear that it, that, it, that this was not going to help my patients. Exactly. Well, I think it's wonderful what you've done and I totally appreciate you talking to us today. It's been really eye-opening And I wish you guys all the best luck in the world and success with your products. And thank you for doing that. Oh, thanks, Sally. It was very, it's very nice to to be with you and and to talk about something I'm so passionate about. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. You've been listening to Nutrition Factors, a podcast about the link between nutrition and your health. Sponsored by Ulan Nutritional Systems.